Hey, welcome to that badass podcast. I'm Kaylee, your realistic nutritionist, helping you find the balance between green smoothies and red wine. And I'm Ashley, the creator of Royally Fit, that went from obsessive exercising and calorie counting to living a free, unrestricted, and badass life. We are here to build a tribe of babe-supporting babes so you can thrive in your fitness, health, and mental wealth. So if you like to keep it real, raw, and controversial, welcome. Let's get started. Boom! Nailed that shit! (laughs) After like 18 tries. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to That Badass Podcast. We are hanging out today with Dr. Vivian Bizios, who is a functional medicine doctor and is going to be talking specifically about fertility today. So she has been in the industry now since 2001. She has a specific interest in women's hormones and health, which also leads into fertility and even a little bit of um, pediatric. So she has a lot to share with us today. We're going to be talking about why fertility issues seem to be increasing in both men and women. What are some of the contributing factors? Um, How does stress play a role in that? And what can we do to improve our diet and maybe supplementation to benefit fertility? So we're going to be going over a couple different things and we think it's going to be very valuable, valuable. So we hope that you guys stick around and thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) So what we're going to do just so that everybody can kind of get to know you a little bit is we're just going to do some fun rapid fire questions. So nice and easy questions to ease you into this. All right. So are you a coffee drinker or a tea drinker? Tea drinker. Tea drinker all the way. Okay. Uh, What is the last book or what are you currently reading right now? I was reading one of my colleagues' books, uh, Eight Steps to Reverse PCOS. Shout out to Fiona. Oh, <laughs> cool. Yep. Interesting. I think we've, we've done an episode about PCOS, haven't yes, we? Yes, we did. We did with Alicia. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Awesome. Um, I know you obviously have a very busy schedule, but if you were going to sit down and binge watch some TV, what's like your go-to TV show? I love Outlander. I haven't done that one yet. Yeah, but me it's either. Amazing. It's amazing. Season, the next season's coming out very soon. So it totally relaxes me. It's a period piece. Yeah. Uh, I love the the design of this, like everything, the the timepiece, the clothing, the acting. It's just fantastic. Oh, okay, good. I, I need to, to put that, that on out. my list. Yeah, so I've had a few that. people mention that to me. Very cool. Um, what style of working out do you like to do? I love jogging. I love jogging outside in nature. It's I find it really relaxing. Um, just. That's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. It's very down. meditative. Yeah, it's very meditative. It's got a pace to it. Um, I find it really calming. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool. Amazing. Okay, so I have a little bit of a deeper question now mm-hmm. is what got you interested in pursuing naturopathic medicine and functional medicine? Of course. Um, uh, when I was 16, I was struggling with acne um, and I had been going repeatedly to dermatologists. And I started on uh, long-term antibiotic therapy. And that went on for over six months. And eventually I decided I'd stop and just see what was going on with my body. And um, I started to feel some of the effects of being on long-term antibiotics. Yeah. Started developing yeast infections. Just my general health didn't feel fine. I was only 16. At that point, my brother, he was researching different medical programs And uh, he was in university, so he chose to be a dentist at that point, right? But he found out about naturopathic medicine. And he told me, why don't you go see a naturopath? So I ended up uh, going out to the West End when the naturopathic school was in like an elementary school. Wow. um, Over 20 years ago. Um, It was at Royal York. And I became a patient at the clinic there. And they were the first people to tell me that your skin health 
is related to what you eat. And you got to start changing your diet. Nobody ever told me that my diet was a big, it would play a role in my skin. Um, so they introduced me to like liver foods and started me on detoxing and kind of balancing out my nutrient levels. And I started to see some improvement. And from there, I got really inspired. And I'd come to school. I remember high school, the cafeteria with my friends. And I had like salads and with beets and uh, bitter greens. And they're like, what are you eating? Back then, it was really strange. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm like, I'm working on my liver. And, and they were like, really? Why? Like, well, my doctor told me that I need to clean out my liver so my skin gets healthier. And from there, I developed this interest in nutrition. So I pursued nutrition my undergrad. And that's kind of my, you know, undergraduate degree, nutritional sciences. And, and when I was in nutrition, I fell in love with physiology, uh, which is kind of the study of the human body and how, you know, all the hormones and the cells are working. And at that point, I realized I want to do medicine. And I looked at the different curriculums of medicine, naturopathic medicine. As I scrolled through the curriculum of naturopathic medicine, every single course on the list was something I wanted to take. And I'm like, wow. this is what I got to do. Wow. And I dived in, got into the program, and, and it just took off from there. Wow. That's mm. incredible. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. You're definitely kind of like a pioneer in that, in that sense where you went to like one of the originals and oh, yeah. you've been practicing for a long time, like when it was still kind of kind of considered taboo. It was. For That's sure. what I was actually going to ask. Did you find that you had a tough time with people taking you seriously in the beginning? 100%. I mean, everybody, nobody knew what a naturopath was. Yeah. That, that was the first thing. And then I had to educate people. And they still kind of just, uh, you know, uh, push it aside. Rolled their eyes. Yeah, for sure. And then slowly, I'd say 10 years in, a lot of the health food stores start, start to pop up. Um, and there was a big shift. And I'd say in the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years, that shift is really you know, taking some momentum. Yeah. And now everybody knows what a naturopath is, but definitely when I started, uh, nobody knew what I was doing. Um, you know, they thought you were hippie or tree hugger, like or, whatever, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's funny. So one thing I didn't mention is that we're at, um, the center of advanced medicine here in Whippy. And I started seeing Dr. Arsenault, I think 12 or 13 years ago now, I can't remember the exact date. I just remember like in and around that area and people thought I was, like at that time, so it was only what, like 12 or 13 years, like people were like, why are you going to see a naturopathic doctor? And I had a very similar experience to you where like that he really helped me and he really changed the trajectory of like my health and how I view food. He had a massive impact on that. And I'm so grateful. But at that time, my friends were like, what are you doing? Right. I looked like I was kind of like the crazy girl, even for being for sure, a patient, let alone sure. pursuing it as a career. So, and there's definitely still people that think that way. Oh, yeah. And I oh, always, yeah. I'm now, I'm the one rolling my eyes at them. I'm like, get with the times, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, how do you not understand <laughs> this yet? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, my next question before we kind of get into like the deeper topic of fertility is what got you interested in specifically women's health? Did it kind of just happen or is that something you actively pursued? Well, if you look at the patient profile of most naturopathic doctors, it is women. Yeah. Okay. I did start a little younger um, when I graduated and I had a lot of younger people coming to me and um, I started to track them through their kind of female life, you know, the, the life cycle of the female body. Yeah. And so I saw them go through pregnancy or, or struggle with it and um, have having children. But I, I you know, even premenstrual symptoms, you know, I help them balance all of that out. So 
I guess it kind of happened naturally mm-hmm. um, with the patient population, but also with the age group that I attracted when I first started practicing. Of and eventually it became everything and anything, I, you know, yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of evolved naturally. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I'm sure a lot of patients would be um, drawn to you because you're a woman as well, going through similar life stages. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. I get it. Okay. So let's dig in. Yeah. Let's do it. So one of the things we wanted to talk about is that fertility issues are obviously on the rise, but increasing in both men and women. So what are some of the contributing factors? Okay. Um, great question. Let's start with just stats. I find it really interesting that one in six couples in Canada are struggling with fertility. Wow. Which is really high. Wow. There was a landmark study uh, published in the British Medical Journal, and they tracked sperm counts for 50 years, and they found that sperm counts have gone down 52% in 50 years. That's remarkable. I remember reading a study when I was in school about three or four years ago that was saying that it was like, in like a thousand years, if we continue at this rate, that we could completely wipe out humankind. Like we would be our own destruction by like, because men won't be able to produce sperm anymore. For sure. For sure. So 52% decrease. In male sperm counts in the BMJ. Yeah. The British Medical Journal. So that's, that's telling you there's a big problem here. Yeah. Um, When I look at my patient population, and I reflect on, on the past at least, at least 10, 12 years, 15 years, I am seeing tremendous immune deficiency. And that's really scary. And what that is, is um, a lot of patients are coming in with a compromised immune system. So they're becoming susceptible to catching very benign things. And uh, these things kind of persist in the body for long periods of time. So we're looking at like a chronic low-grade uh, inflammatory or infectious state. Okay. Now, what you might recognize um, is um, the connection with the microbiome. So the microbiome is that bacteria that live within us. It's our ecology, right? There's trillions of bacterial microbial cells within and on our skin. They're everywhere. And they keep us in check and in balance, believe it or not. And with the immune system starting to struggle with very kind of benign things, the microbiome starts to change, okay? Um, and when that change happens, your immunity starts to change. Majority of your immunity is in your gut. So 80% of your immunity is in your gut. Yeah. Because that's where all your lymph system feeds into. And your lymph is kind of the fluid that carries all your immune cells. And you probably know the lymph nodes, right? That's where your immune cells work on the bad stuff. So that's all feeding into your gut. If your gut is struggling with a chronic low-grade inflammatory problem, then you're going to have a low-grade immune system, period. Yeah. Okay? Um, and, and one of the big things is food sensitivities, right? Because anything that causes chronic inflammation is going to cause a microbiome disturbance. Yeah. Well, okay? this is why Ashley and I promote dairy-free, sugar-free, gluten-free for right, the most right. part, for the majority right. of our diet. And, and chemical-free. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, that, that's probably the bigger, yeah. the bigger yeah. one right there. Um, so when that microbiome is, is disrupted, what happens is that microbiome has something called the astrobilome. You may or may not have heard of this. Um, and that's pretty much a special type of microbiome that processes hormones like estrogen. When that's disrupted, well, then your estrogen processing gets disrupted. And, and that starts to feed into different problems with hormonal imbalance and fertility from there. So that's one of the big ones. What we've done to our, 
our immunity. Um, one more thing about immunity is the rise in autoimmune disease, mm-hmm. right? And really what that is, is it's just a confused immune system. And often it gets confused by inflammation, right? By what, what's going on in the gut, right? By what you're eating, the chemicals that are coming through, the immunity there. And there we have things like Hashimoto's disease. We know that with these chronic autoimmune diseases, our fertility rates go down. So it's a huge interplay there. So you would say that a big factor then to increasing your chances of fertility would to make sure that your gut health is in check. Huge. This is why that makes me so excited to hear you say that because I preach that constantly to people. Like everything comes back down to your gut health and in every case, but even fertility, it's like, wow, it's, it's so much more simple than we think. We make things more right. complicated, but it's like step number one is take care of your gut health. Yeah, I, exactly. I, we've actually had a couple people in our community that have gone to more of like a dairy and gluten-free diet and noticed a massive difference in, well, not a massive difference. They literally just got pregnant and not just, but like they got pregnant after healing their gut. And mm. for them, I guess that those were massive triggers for them, right? And for their gut. And so when they eliminated that, they got pregnant. And I'm and some people looked at it as like, well, you know, I'm living a healthier, more active lifestyle, but it really gets down to like the nitty gritty of what's going on in your actual microbiome in your stomach. Right. And they kind of attributed it to, well, you know, I'm, I'm exercising more, I'm taking more, uh, you know, better care of myself. But really it was like what was happening on the inside. Right. That made the big difference. If you have a chronic inflammatory state in your gut, that means there's a disordered microbiome, but also there's a mucus layer that sits on top. That starts to get impeded. Um, and, and then there's this, these cells that line right underneath, and those start to separate a bit, and things can seep through very easily. Foods that are not fully broken down by the microbiome can, can seep in. Those can cause immune reactions. That creates a lot of stress for the body. Yeah. So this is leaky gut you're this talking about. This is leaky about. gut, yeah. right? And then the other thing you have to think about is if you have a chronically inflamed gut, you're not absorbing your nutrients properly. So how can you expect to make a new life when your nutrient absorption is compromised? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's the beginning of a new life, right? Yeah. 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 No, I know. It, when you break it down, it's so practical, yeah. right? Like it yeah. makes so much more sense, but totally. we're not thinking of it like yeah. that. Just out yeah. of curiosity, because I know you said you've been doing this for 18 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, when you first started talking about leaky gut, nobody took that seriously either. Like no. doctors said it did not exist, no. that it was made up. And it's so funny now to see the transition of like 15 years ago, people talking about leaky gut versus now where it's like so common knowledge so and common people talk knowledge. about it all the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And just, I just find that very interesting. Yeah. And, and now we have like tests, like Dr. Fazano is a researcher who looked into certain aspects of these, uh, the epithelium or the cells of the lining of the gut. And he noticed that if you were low and, or there was, a, uh, if your cells were separating, the gaps were becoming bigger. So the sieve became larger. Um, you could measure this through, through a compound called zonulin. And so we have a special test now that we can use to measure gut permeability. Yeah. Um, which is amazing. Yeah, right? my husband so, just did it. Did he? Yeah, so he he basically saw Dr. Arsenault, healed his gut last year, started reintroducing the foods that he had eliminated, mm-hmm. has put 20 pounds back on, ha- hasn't been feeling the best. So Dr. Arsenault was like, I'm pretty sure your leaky gut is back like 
full force. So Mm -hmm. he, instead of doing the sensitivity test, he just went and did that test you're talking about and it came back. And then now that he has to redo this protocol again. So yeah. And it was just from the test. Interesting that they can test that now. I didn't even know that. Yeah. It's a simple blood test. Yep. Oh my God. My mind is blown. I have so many questions, but that's another topic. We can talk about another time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I just, I have a follow up question. So we're talking about the contributing factors with has to do with like your microbiome and your gut health basically. But what are the things that are impacting that? So like, what are some of the main culprits? I know we kind of touched on, you said chemicals are a big one. So can you kind of elaborate a little bit? I'm going to talk to you about that too. So you've got this ecology within you, on you, but you exist within a larger framework and that's the environment. And that is probably the biggest um, instigator of change in fertility. Why? Because for the first time, you know, we have the industrial age, you know, 100 years back where we're starting to introduce all these foreign chemicals into the environment. They're in our cleaning products, on our skincare products, makeup, nail polish, go to tampons, um, food, mm-hmm. dairy, meat, fish, right? Plastics, everything, everywhere. And what we're starting to see is that these compounds are starting to have a huge impact on our cell receptors, okay? Mm -hmm. And specifically our endocrine or hormonal cellular receptors. So a lot of these things that are in the environment, uh, even the Teflon on your pens, like all these things that we're becoming exposed to on a regular basis, even pharmaceuticals, right? We don't have the enzyme capacity to break them down. We Mm -hmm. haven't adapted to that point yet, if we ever will. So when they come into our body, we have side effects from them because we don't know what to do with them. The Mm -hmm. body doesn't know what to do with them. Um, And as those chemicals come in, they um, start to bind to certain receptors where something like estrogen would have bound or insulin. And that's really dangerous Um, because what happens is as a clinician, you can measure somebody's estrogen levels in their blood, their estradiol levels, they'll be normal. But those endocrine disruptors, those compounds will be binding to those estrogen receptors and telling the cell to do something very different than estrogen would have. Fascinating. So, so now, so you can sudden, get very normal results, but doesn't mean that something normal is happening right. within. Oh, wow. And remember, a lot of these estrogen receptors are in the DNA of your cells. It's just a unique kind of receptor site. And, and that's going to start to dictate what happens to your cells, your fertility cells, right? Your eggs, that are mm-hmm. already there yeah. and how they're going to mature, mm-hmm. right? Same for the sperm. Mm-hmm. So these endocrine disruptors, these toxins in our environment, heavy metals through vaping, all these compounds are, are really uh, detrimental and very difficult for the body to process. And when the body tries to process it, it has to use up a lot of vitamins and minerals to do that with, with the mechanisms that we have, mm-hmm. like you know your liver, your kidneys, your lungs, your skin. Mm-hmm. You know We have all these detox mechanisms in place but it's, we, we cross the threshold at a certain point, right? Where we're not getting enough from our food because maybe we're just not eating enough fruits and vegetables or maybe the fruits and vegetables that we're growing, you know, with this urban demand of fruits and vegetables, you know, the soil doesn't have time to regenerate and put those new vitamins and minerals back in the food for you to consume them. Well, yeah, right? our foods are so depleted compared to what they were 50 right. years ago that you could eat 
50 carats for what would be one carat right. 50 years ago. Yeah. And get the same amount of nutrients from it. That's right. Because the soil, they keep growing it over and over again. Are they doing crop rotation? Yeah. I don't know. Exactly. And then on top of that, the pesticides and the herbicides. You got it. And now your poor liver is like, oh my God, I need help. Yeah. Liver, kidneys, um, your, your lungs, everything yeah. is slowly starting to get fatigued. And you need to use all your vitamin and mineral resources to help those processes keep going. If your food's deficient, well, now you're already at a negative. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That can sound, that can sound really overwhelming for anybody that's listening because we Mm -hmm. named off a lot of things that some people just can't avoid. Right. So, so how would you coach somebody through something like that? Because they're going to be like, Whoa, and almost turn the opposite direction. Cause they're like, that's not doable. I can't avoid plastics. I can't go and get the best of the best vegetables or have my own garden in my backyard. So So it's like, so so it's like, how do you coach somebody through finding a little bit more of like a realistic approach? So when it comes to diet, I'd say just very simple things like cut down the sugar, cut down processed foods, processed foods, anything in a package is going to have some kind of preservative to keep it that long. You know, most food that sits out on your countertop, whatever you're going to make, eventually in a couple of days, it's going to start to degrade. So those foods that are in packages do have those extra compounds and chemicals to preserve them. So maybe just go more whole foods, Mm -hmm. just, you know, make that brown rice or just have, you know, a nice, um, uh, piece of salmon or fish, you know, meat, if, if that's what you like, or a lot of beans and legumes, just really clean eating, but not necessarily packaged foods, try to minimize that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of, so you don't have to necessarily always buy organic. And the reality is most of my, most of my patients don't always buy organic. Not even I can buy organic all the time mm-hmm. because sometimes it's just not accessible. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or sometimes you're like, okay, this came from Peru. Exactly. It was picked while it was not even ripe yet. It's come all this way over. I, I would rather go for something seasonal local. and local That's right. than organic and also and what, certain foods. What are the standards that they have in those countries? Are they always, you know, as meticulous as we expect them to be or we're hoping that they are? Yeah. So it really depends. Um, other lifestyle pieces... Uh, just trying to find ways in your life where you can just naturally detox, right? And um, because you're going to be exposed to these things, but why not, you know, exercise is a great way to detox. Um, What about intermittent fasting for that as well? It's another great way. It's great for balancing blood sugar and things like that, for sure. Um, You could do like infrared saunas, um, just calming yourself is allowing your detox organs to work optimally. Mm -hmm. Well, that's actually one of the questions we wanted to ask you is, you know, everybody's stress seems to be way higher than it's ever been. And obviously this is having a contributing factor, but if you could kind of explain how stress is impacting it and then some ways that we could reduce stress to help with fertility. Yeah, for sure. So when you look at stress, you're looking at something called the HPA access. And what that stands for is, um, the hypothalamus, the pituitary and the adrenal and the interaction between those glands. So what is the hypothalamus? It's really the president of your hormones. And then the pituitary, the president gives messages to the pituitary, which is like the VP, the vice president. And then that VP gives messages to your stress gland, the adrenals, but also to your ovaries, right? Uh, All your gonads for males and females. It's giving your thyroid, it's giving messages in terms of what to do. So when you have chronic stress, what happens is that these, this messaging system um, is getting fatigued, right? But it also is starting to impact other hormones like estrogen. And it starts, and 
follicular stimulating hormone, NLH, and I'll explain what those are in a sec. These are hormones uh, related to basically maturing your follicles so you can, you can basically ovulate. And that chronic stress is slowly suppressing, right? Suppressing those hormones. And, and you end up having poor follicular maturation or egg maturation, right? Um, in, in total, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's like so scary to think and it's like you hear something like that and then you're like, oh God, now I'm more stressed about that stress that I have. <laughs> right. But, but, but then there's, there's the different types of tools that we have to decrease stress. And we know through the research, all the mind-body techniques, and we're talking about meditation, relaxation, all of that puts your body into a parasympathetic state, a relaxed state. And, and that starts to um, bring down the cortisol and allow the estrogen and the progesterone to do what it's supposed to do to help with fertility. So that's really, th- those are really key pieces. Mm-hmm. So when you're working with a patient, would you say that you're working on like the whole lifestyle? You're obviously going to be doing some tests because you have more of like that functional medicine approach um, to figure out exactly what's going on with them, like individually and personally. But then on top of that, you'd be talking about lifestyle things to help with their hormone. Yeah, for sure. Li- lifestyle is so important. Um, one of the first things is obviously ruling out a lot of the things that are throwing the body off, looking at the microbiome, looking at your detox pathways, doing testing at, for nutrient deficiencies, seeing if your vitamin D is normal, you know, your iron, your zinc, all those are, are kind of look through from a functional medicine lens. But then we're looking at how your body manages and copes with stress. Um, and definitely there's herbs that I use and different uh, techniques like that. But I also use a lot of acupuncture because I feel that that's one method that really helps to override that HPA axis that I was talking about. It helps to bring down the cortisol significantly. Hmm. And it's something you you just have to show up, you know, for half an hour, once a week, and slowly it works at that HPA axis to to stop it from suppressing your fertility hormones. Um, And then we talk about visualization meditation. There's lots of things that I recommend. Um, Bloom and Circle has some great guided visualizations for every day of the cycle um, that women can use, right? Cool. Um, And and that helps kind of uh, change the mindset, also bring down the stress response. Um, There's definitely a lot of counseling that we do. Um, There is some great research published about like this whole letting go technique. Cause often when you're, when you're going through fertility, it's a very stressful yeah. experience and there's a, it comes with a lot of disappointment, a lot of heartache. Yeah. Um, and, and when you're, when, when you practice the whole letting go technique and just letting things be and being comfortable in that space, that peaceful space, the research showed that 50% increase in fertility. So you can see the impact of just the mind and how it holds us back. Absolutely. Well, that's when you always hear people saying like, when we finally stopped trying or you know what I mean? Or we it adopted all a the baby time. and it's like, they finally let that stress come down. It's proof is in the pudding, right? Oh, yeah. Like what happens to your body when you let go of that stress. And one thing I want to just add is I was here a few weeks ago to see Dr. Arsenal and he actually recommended this, um, like headset thing for me called Muse. I have that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I went and bought it. I got Mm -hmm. it at Best Buy. It was definitely an investment piece. It cost me about $350. Mm -hmm. But for me, I was like, uh, this is just going to be worth every penny. So I've been working, I've been using it for the last two weeks. And what I like about it is it actually is reading your brain waves. Yes. And so what's cool is I'm just, anybody that's listening, if you are like me, you guys know that I'm scattered and 
forgetful and like I don't do well with meditation and it was very discouraging for me. So this app has been, or this um, headband thing has been really helpful because you can actually like it, the noise changes when you're in that anxious stress state. The bird chirping. And then the birds start to yeah. chirp when you're, and it's almost like, wow, it's almost, it's almost like a video game for your brain in the sense where I'm like, oh, I just have to like, if I focus on my breathing and I really do what I'm supposed to do, oh, I hear the birds chirping. I'm doing, I'm doing good. And it gives you like that little reward. And so, yeah, I've really been enjoying that. I've been wanting to talk about it a little bit on my Instagram and stuff like that. So you guys will hear more about that from me. But if you're thinking like, I can't meditate, the thought of meditation stresses me out, which is what it's been for me. for sure. This has been really helpful. So stay Mm -hmm. tuned. I will do a full review on Instagram, but it has been. It's a great biofeedback mechanism. It's been really helpful. I love the muse. I, you know, you brought something to mind now that you, you were saying, you know, you don't like to meditate. A lot of patients don't like to meditate. Yeah. It's hard for some people to come down, right? And to, and to be in that yin space, as we call it. Yeah. Know, that very calm. My body resists it. And that's yes. okay. That's okay. Yeah. I've found one really interesting tool is hypnotherapy or hypnosis. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar, familiar with this, but yeah. sometimes just as an intro, you know, I often refer patients to hypnotherapists, uh, but as an intro to it, a lot of patients should just go online and, and try um, just listening to a hypnosis, uh, you know, uh, playback, right, on YouTube, uh, cater toward often anxiety or frustration or whatever that feeling is that it's really holding you, uh, has a grip on you. And what it is, is hypnosis is basically talking to your subconscious. So it's not a rash, it's not to your conscious mind, but it's just subtle messaging to your subconscious mind. And often you don't even have to stay in that super focused place. You can play it when you go to bed at night and you just let it play and it speaks to your subconscious. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to work for it. Yeah. So for patients that, you know, struggle with the meditation, this is a great way, a great opener to do something that you don't have to do a lot of work. You just play the hypnosis let it play, you know, on your phone, um, and, and just fall asleep. Let it do its magic. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a really great idea. Yeah. Interesting. And we use it a lot. We use it a lot for, for birthing, right? Hip, hypnobirthing. Yeah. Just to stay calm during the whole birthing process. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's it's incredible. (laughs) But we use it a lot for stress, right? For anxiety. A lot of our patients with fertility issues are struggling with anxiety. Yeah. Um, and, I'd say generally the the general population, even the kids that I'm seeing have anxiety. So using these types of tools that are effortless, essentially, are extremely beneficial. Yeah, that's really good to know. And just for anybody that's listening, we're actually going to be following this episode up with um, some of our community's personal experience of going through fertility and what that looks like uh, through a marriage. Right. And like what that looks like on a couple, because she's going to talk personally about that because some people feel a lot of shame associated with this. And that's just another layer of stress that people do not need. Um, So, yeah, we're actually going to be following this episode up the very next day with with a woman in our community that's going to share her personal experience with her and her husband. That's incredible. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many ups and downs in this whole process. And and it's a timely process. Yes. So I go through with my I go through the ups and downs with my patients and and we find but we find a great space to 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 always grow and and there's always opportunity to to get to a better place mm-hmm. and we find that together too. Mm-hmm. So there's an upside too. Well, and what I really enjoy is that when you work with someone like yourself is it's an individual protocol. Mm-hmm. It's not just you go see your MD, you get this test, oh your levels like normal even though we're hoping for optimal but they seem to be okay with normal. And then you're yeah, you're kind of left feeling like 
my body isn't working for me. I've done something wrong. We're with you. That's, I love that you're actually like every single thing is factored in diet, lifestyle, stress, anxiety. You're giving techniques. You're actually doing tests. And I just think that more people need to, if they're stressing out or struggling with fertility is to actually reach out to somebody like yourself that, that takes it very seriously and works with you as an individual and not just like somebody on the conveyor belt. So true. So true. Um, it, it, no two patients with fertility issues are the same. Exactly. So they shouldn't be treated the same. They're, they're not treated yeah. the same. I can't, I can't go through my protocols and see any identical protocols. There may be some common threads. Um, let's say it's an egg quality issue or, um, it's a hormonal imbalance issue and there's some common threads there, but ultimately everyone is so unique, right? And, and the process of, of removing the layers of what's holding your body back is different for everyone. And it takes a different time for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a follow-up question yeah. to that. So some people, if they are having a difficult time getting pregnant after a year, they go see their general practitioner, mm-hmm. they recommend them to go see a specialist, a hormone specialist, a fertility clinic or whatever. Right. So is that something that they would do in combination with you? Or do some people just strictly come and see you? Like, is it kind of like one person does one or the other, or is it a com- combo of both? Or how does that look? It's a good question. Often, um, it really depends. Um, often it's in combination. Um, but there, there, you know, just generally there are a few people who take a preventative, uh, like think two years ahead and say, look, I want to come here and get my body healthy for it. Yeah. Although that's what we should be doing. Most of us are in, a, in, in that same situation where they find out, okay, I've been trying for a year and nothing's happened. I'm going to see a, you know, a fertility specialist and this is what they're telling me. However, they don't necessarily go through the IUI or the IVF or any of the ART therapies, the assisted reproductive technology therapies, but they get assessed. And I think that's really important. I think you need to get assessed properly um, to make sure that, you know, your fallopian tubes and your uterus and all those aspects of you are healthy enough, but then there's another level of healthy. Mm -hmm. And that's when they come to me and that's when we turn things around. That's when the massive transformation happens, right? Yeah. So you need to know the basic things of how, when, when do I ovulate? This is like basic education. Like you need to know when that happens. Is it always at day 14? No, only 13% of the female population ovulates at day 13, 14, right? Mid cycle. Um, you have to figure out how to calculate that through just general like fertility awareness methods. And I teach my patients things like that. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any disadvantages for going the traditional route? Like say when you start doing hormone therapy to help a, someone you get pregnant, is there any negative impacts that that has long-term? And when you say hormone therapy, are you referring to the IVF cycle therapy? Yeah. And like there's like not necessarily IVF, but I know some people that have to go and they have to get like a shot every morning. Right. Right. Like, yeah. so before they take the, to the next step of getting IVF. So- yeah, um, definitely there's some research. A lot of those drugs that you're taking are trying to get your follicles stimulated to, to mature more quickly and more efficiently. Um, and like, for example, Clomid, I just read some research about how, um, sure, it's, it's like a supercharger for your follicles, but it has a side effect of kind of making the uterine lining less... Um, uh, vascular. So when you get to the point of implantation, uh, you don't have that 
that blood supply um, at that level that we wanted to, to maintain. Mm. And so that's when a naturopathic therapeutic would Mm -hmm. come into play. So they've done studies on N-acetylcysteine, which is uh, like a protein, amino acid kind of compound that basically you take with the IVF and the Clomid that makes sure you still have a very vascular uterine lining for implantation so it kind of counteracts some of the effects or you do something like black cohosh mm-hmm. um which would also be helpful because it's a bit uh like a phytoestrogen so it'll kind of support that or you do some other hormonal kind of herbal therapies to counteract the effects so there's always there's always a side effect or and you know with any kind of medication yeah like think of the birth control pill yeah right that's done a few episodes have on you that. yeah yeah we have so a lot of my patients have post-pilomenorrhea. It's very common uh, in my patient population. What that means is that you've been on the pill for X amount of time, and then you get off the pill, and you don't have a period. And you don't have a period for a year, mm-hmm. right? And that's often happening because your body forgot how to do everything, mm-hmm. right? And so seeing a naturopathic doctor, we know how to re kind of almost set the body and give it the cues to make that whole process start happening again. Mm-hmm. You know, telling the brain, the president, the hypothalamus to start secreting that, that hormone, follicular stimulating hormone to get the follicle to start maturing properly. And then uh, more messaging for getting the ovaries to ovulate and then to maintain the, 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 um, the luteum or the, the, uh, the actual... Uh, uterine lining, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that whole process of getting the hormones to go back on track. Yeah. That, you're hammering with some awesome information right now. This is really awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm learning a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you, you've talked about lifestyle. You've talked about supplementation. We've talked about food. food. Yeah, yeah, like your yeah. microbiome, everything. So I know that uh, something that some people are probably wondering is if they're struggling with infertility, um, kind of like what are the first steps they should take what kind of expectations should they have? What kind of time frame could it possibly take? And the general cost, because if they are going to be coming to a functional medicine doctor, there mm-hmm. is going to be a different cost involved, right? So right. I know it's very individual, but if you can kind of give like a general idea so people kind That's of know great. what they're they're walking into. For sure. So it's such a great question. You know, when we're, there's ideal times, okay? Um, when we're looking at preparing the body for for being an optimal place for, for a, a baby to grow, we got to look at least a year back, I'd say. I mean, there, I'm, I can be an idealist because this is what I do. Um, so a year gives us time to kind of work out the kinks with the hormones. Sometimes we have, you know, hormonal imbalances. And examples, how do you know you have a hormonal imbalance when your blood work is normal? Well, you have symptoms uh, with your period. With You might have cramping, clotting. You might have PMS, breast tenderness, headaches around your period, um, mood changes around your period. All those signs are signs of hormonal imbalance. You know, traditionally, if we go back to our ancestors' times, women didn't really struggle with menses. They, the, the period would just come and it would go and you wouldn't really feel much. Uh, but now we have a lot of exaggerated symptoms and those are indicators of you potentially needing a detox, you having some microbiome issues, uh, your hormones are now thrown off, maybe your cortisol is off, your stress hormone, uh, your estrogen, progesterone is not balanced. So looking at just your overall menstrual cycle, the health of your menstrual cycle, the health of your total body and, and, and figuring out where the imbalances lie. And that takes time because your body takes time to, to resolve those. 
mm-hmm. those imbalances. So I guide my patients through different steps. And I do things in a very kind of organized fashion where I prioritize and I hear the body's pr- priorities and I follow them and I slowly remove layers to start to get the health back, right? And I can tell by the symptoms how people are doing. So when, this, the fema- when all those menstrual symptoms start to resolve, we know we're in a very good place. Mm-hmm. So that could take anywhere from three months to a year, depending on how much toxicity the person has, right? Yeah, absolutely. What their, you know, what their antibiotic history was, just overall, their overall health history. Um, So that's my ideal. Think about coming off the birth control pill. It can take anywhere from nine to 12 months to get your cycles really back into balance. So that's why I say, if you're coming off the birth control pill, or if you have any kind of um, hormonal imbalances, you know, PMS symptoms, start early, start a year in advance. Now, you, if, if things are pretty consistent, things are going, you know, your health is, is fairly decent, you need at least a three to four month window before starting to try the IVF and the IUI really to increase your chances. Why? Because your follicles are essentially maturing over a three month period. Okay. Those are your egg follicles. Um, And out of that three to four month period, eventually one is going to ovulate every month, right? So we want to optimize the terrain of where these follicles are growing, that there's enough antioxidants there, right? That there's enough nutrients there to make sure enough blood there, iron, right? To oxygen, everything to to optimize this, this growth that's happening that eventually will lead to the egg, and the same for the sperm, right? Mm-hmm. And sperm takes three months to develop. So we're looking at a three to four month window prior to trying a lot of these um, ART uh, therapies to, to really optimize your chances. Can you tell me what ART stands for? Oh, uh, advanced reproductive technology. So uh, IVF okay. and IUI and those different procedures. Okay. So that's really vital. The other thing that I didn't mention, which I think is so important, is... Um, and, and I digress a bit, but I want everyone to know that the female eggs are made within the first seven months in utero. So when you are conceived within those first seven months, all the eggs you'll ever have are being, are, are being created. Wow. Right? So you make around one to two million per ovary. And over the course of your life, from puberty uh, to menopause, you have a slower, you have a decline of these eggs, Right. By the time you reach 37 years old, you have 2.5% left. Wow. Of all 20, yeah. Of, if it was a million, it would be like 25,000 left. That's not a lot, right? So you need time. You know that as your body ages, these eggs are not as resilient and strong because they've been in your body from, from the get-go. Yeah, from right? in utero. Wow. Right? So it's important that the older you are, the, the more advanced your maternal age is, that you, you definitely see a functional medicine practitioner that's going to help you with detox and help to increase the antioxidant levels in your ovaries, right? Mm-hmm. To boost that melatonin that's there, which is a great antioxidant, to, to make sure your DHEA levels are, 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 are healthy because that prevents, you know, ovarian loss, like uh, keeps the over ovarian reserve really strong. Make sure you've got the antioxidants there, like N-acetylcysteine, alpha-lipoic acid, coenzyme Q10, to make sure that the energy factories of these ovaries that require a lot of energy to grow and mature 
are, are all in check. And CoQ10 is also very beneficial for men in sperm production as well, right? Right. So yeah. when we do testing in men, we find that there's three big things that are really low. It's zinc. Yeah. It's essential fatty acids and it's CoQ10. Okay, so men should be supplementing with that if they're if you're trying to conceive. For sure, for okay. sure. On top of some other things that are really essential for men. Yeah. Um, remember, this is a 50-50 process. So we've been focusing a lot on women. Yes. And I love when I see the partners come in. Um, because half of this baby is you, it's male, yes. and the other half is female. But the pressure always seems to be, for the most part, on the women. Right. Yeah. At least that's how it's perceived. Right. It is perceived yeah. like that. And then the, men that, that the men that do have difficulty often don't talk about it. That's so true. Yeah, it is yeah. very taboo. Yeah. So I, I'm sure a lot of men do. As you said, our fertility has decreased 50% because of males. Or no, sorry, not the fertility has decreased 50%, sperm but count. sperm count yeah, yeah. has decreased um, 50%. So like, that's a lot of men that are probably not talking about it. For sure, for sure. Um, and definitely, if you go to a fertility clinic, males are evaluated too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's important to see a functional medicine doctor that's going to give you the right nutrients that you need. So we'll do essential fatty acid testing, which I think is extremely useful for fertility because you can see if your DHEA or your EPA levels or the inflammatory fatty acids are high. We know that DHEA preserves ovarian and the the egg growth and it helps it. Yeah. So we need to know what those levels are. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can properly give properly, the exact supplementation exactly. that they should have. So they're not just going and to the that, health food store and whimming it. That's and right. And either taking still way too little or taking way too much. So you can true. give them an exact dosage. So I think one of the things that you really do is you just empower people and you give them solutions to their problems and options. And I think that's where when it comes to fertility is we feel so helpless and powerless that you can actually give them a little bit of their power back, which is... It's all, it's giving them all their power back because the human body is so incredibly intelligent. And if it gets the right information, which is really my job is to read the messaging and, and, and play back the right information. It knows exactly what to do. Yes. Uh, and for anybody that's listening that doesn't know my story, I was told uh, that I would never be able to have children. And I went without a period for two years and was told I was going through through premenopause and in I was in your 20s in my 20s and I was able to have a child and I know it's because my health was corrected my hormones were corrected I was diagnosed with low thyroid like I had a lot of underlying problems in her there that my general practitioner wasn't discovering it was actually Dr. Arsenault in combination with another hormone specialist that he sent me to that helped me actually start getting my period again and one of the things I wanted to add on to that is uh, apparently one of the things that is really actually helpful is sex so sex was also helpful as having more consistent, healthy, like loving sex is really good for your hormone health as well. Makes sense because it's a paras- It's something you do in the most relaxed state, just like meditation. It happens when your nervous system is most relaxed. Mm-hmm. Sex is that same kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Digestion's the same. Uh, a bowel movement, having a bowel movement, urination, all of that happens only when you're re- relaxed, orgasms. And all yeah. of that is like positive feedback, yeah. right? It yeah. builds oxytocin levels. We know oxytocin is, is you know, the tender befriend kind of response, which is basically it, it builds all your hormone levels up. It increases, encourages estrogen to go up because oxytocin goes with estrogen. When estrogen goes up, your follicles start to develop, your eggs start to grow, 
Right. So yeah. have more orgasms. Yeah. Exactly. Is another tip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was a tip that I was told at that with, time. Be and close it, with your partner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it definitely. Well, definitely you definitely helped. you can't be stressed out when you just had an orgasm. No. It's <laughs> like all it's the anxiety impossible. is gone when that happens. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the one thing we just didn't touch on was cost, yes, and no, I know that's right. really individual, yeah. but yeah. I I know some people are probably coming from a place of apprehension um, because of cost, and maybe some people aren't, but I know that's probably playing on some people's uh, minds. So if you could kind of touch on that a little bit. Yeah, of course. Um, so cost is relative to the frequency of the visits. I, I do, exp- I, I do like, if I look at the trend of how often I see people, um, it could be anywhere from three months to a year that mm-hmm. we work together. Mm-hmm. But the beauty is that I don't need to see you all the time because I need time for the, to see the medicine play out in your body and your body to start to heal. Mm-hmm. So often visits are anywhere from four to eight weeks spaced out. Um, the cost is on average around $200 for an hour consult and then around 150 for 45 minutes. Don't quote me, but it's somewhere there. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's acupuncture, which I, I think is a great way to get that stress response down. Mm-hmm. Um, and also help to bring that blood flow to the ovaries and, and, and the uterus to get all those nutrients there. And that has, uh, it's, a, it's usually at a reduced cost, mm-hmm. um, anywhere from $75 for a session, give or take. Yep. Sometimes when there's more sessions, you know, it, it depends because I work at different clinics, so the prices are different. Yeah, yeah. But we're kind yeah. of in that zone. We're yeah. kind of in that zone. And then it would, I guess, depend on tests that you need to do as well as supplementation and things like so right. that would be very individual. Yeah, so the supplements you add on. Um, and, of course, you know, supplements are nowhere near the cost of pharmaceutical drugs. If you ever had to pay for any of your pharmaceutical drugs, you'd be surprised that, you know, most prescriptions are on average one $200 plus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, most supplements on average are 30 to 40 so I like there. that you're saying that because people often complain about the price of supplements mm-hmm. and that they're like, they're so expensive. And especially, you know, if you're getting a quality supplement at that, it's significantly more expensive, but that's exactly what I say to people. I'm like, do you know what the cost of your medication is or just the cost of having a life that sucks where you're like yeah. in pain yeah, or exactly. miserable or not feeling your best? Yeah. So to me, there's like certain things that I'm willing to spend that money on and supplementation mm-hmm. is definitely one of them. Well, there was, there was, you couldn't put a price on me wanting to get my health back at that exactly. time. And when I was in my twenties going through this, I didn't actually have any coverage. So at that time I was paying around 200 dollars a month just for bioidentical hormones plus my appointments right. plus supplementation but I got my period back exactly so yeah. hello for me it's worth it but I know some people are curious about that and sometimes apprehensive and they question. almost they also need to plan for it right exactly. like, well that's the thing is everybody might think it's worth it but it might not be accessible yeah they, yeah they have to yeah. plan for it so it needs to be it needs to be budgeted out so and so, remember yeah. there's also other tests that that we would recommend that you could also ask your medical doctor to do that would be at no cost. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of doctors are not testing vitamin D. They're not always looking at iron or TSH or some of the other kind of antibody tests associated with thyroid problems that could be huge indicators of infertility issues. Um, And those we could just do by referring to your physician, right? And we work together with physicians. We have physicians in our office uh, and at different offices that we work with. And that that could be a no charge, right? So there's definitely ways to figure out a a protocol or an approach based on what somebody has access to or like as a budget. Yes. They could come in and say, this is what I can do. And then you could recommend X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And we always do that. We always kind of work with patients. That's just what we always have been doing. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you can still have major improvements major, without having to yeah. spend significant amounts of money. Yeah, yeah. and I, I go through this every day, day in, day out with patients because I am in the private health you know, yeah. care sector. So I understand that. And, and we always find a way to optimize your, your gains and, and kind of maximize, you know, your, your financial situation, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. So how do people get in touch with you? Like, where can they find you? Because I know you're at different locations. So, right. I mean, we have listeners all over the world, but we do have quite a few that are in like the GTA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you know how they would be able to like what different offices you work at? Sure. So um, the Center of Advanced Medicine which is where we're live from right now. Um, That's online. Um, I can also be reached. uh, My direct email is uh, Dr. Bizios, so drbizios, B-I-Z-I-O-S, at downtownnaturopath.com. Dot com. Oh, we can put that in the show you notes. Can, then. Yeah, yeah. Just, just throw it in the show we notes. Will. Yeah, and just email me directly and tell me where you're at and what, That's what, I'm what you're be looking doing, for. Just so you know. Yeah, you for will be sure. Hearing from me. For sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> and I will I will give you some kind of good starting points in terms of how we're going to start and if I can help you, which yeah. l- most likely I can, because mm-hmm. um, that's what I'm here to do. Yeah. And and we go from there. Amazing. And then anybody that's listening, I'm not actively trying to get pregnant right now, if you're wondering that. But you're preparing that. your body. But that's, I, yes, in the future, I want to get pregnant. And I remember that's what Dr. Arsenault said to me. He's like, give yourself a good year of getting your body prepped and ready if you can. Yep. And he's like, I got a girl for you. So he's obviously talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been so excited for this podcast selfishly as well. Because I'm, like, I'm like, oh, this might be who I'm going to be working with in the yeah. future when that time comes. So mm-hmm. I was very excited about this and even more excited now that we've actually talked. And that's I'm like, amazing. okay, yeah, you're my girl. I'm yeah. ready. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's great. Me. Well, this was so informative and I know it's going to touch so many people and it's going to empower them and it's going to get them to do their own like little investigative work on what they can do for their own, their own health and like the health of the couple really. Yeah. So, and anybody that's listening, um, we will put all this information, uh, in the show notes as well of how you can get in touch with Dr. Bizios, but also for anybody that's listening and wants to hear more of the personal side, make sure that you guys tune in tomorrow because we'll be kind of sharing from a couple's experience and, and having her relate to other people and like what they're going through so you guys don't have to go through it in silence because there should be absolutely no shame that comes with this. And it's very common, as you said, it's very one in common. every six couples, which is mind yeah. blowing to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we, we're here and we hear you and we hope that this is very helpful. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking time to join us today. We appreciate it. We know our listeners appreciate it. We've had a lot of people requesting this topic. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much. You're incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, of course. And don't forget. Oh, wait, we have one last question. Oh, okay. Well, I actually remembered this time. What makes you feel badass? Oh, that's a great question. What makes me feel badass? Um, I mean, your whole job is badass. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, <laughs> I think everything that I've chosen in my life has always been against the grain. Yeah. And I've struggled with You're that. You're a rebel. Right? Yeah, I like but, it. But I also celebrate it now. And every time somebody gets better, people like you come to me and they're like, you know, I did this and it worked. It just... It elates me, right? Yeah. It, it makes it all worth it. So I think I think what makes me badass is just always going against the grain and challenging, you know, what the norm is and really questioning everything, always questioning things and really kind of filtering it to figure out, is that does that really make sense? And, and, and that's kind of the message I want to put out to everybody is like, you know, question what your doctors tell you, question what I tell you. Filter it through and see, does that make sense? Intuitively, does that make sense? Logically, does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then do something about it. Yeah. Right? I love that. I love Basically, it. Basically, you just are a badass. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Amazing. Well, so thanks. are you. Aww. Thank you. <laughs> we try. But once again, thank you so much for joining us on, on today's episode. And don't forget to, to make, make today, today badass. badass.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of That Badass Podcast. If you could do us a huge favor and head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review, we would be so grateful because you have no idea how much that helps us grow our podcast. Yeah, and as an incentive and a little bonus, we're going to be doing a monthly giveaway and it's going to be kind of a mix of everything that we have to offer. So one month it could be Royally Fit Online, joining our community. It could be from the Badass Boutique or maybe even just some like free recipes and like a coaching call or something with us. We will figure it out month by month as we go. So yeah, please go over iTunes, podcast app, leave us a five-star review. And once again, thank you so much for listening. Spare Room Studios.